I got a page from a 312 number. I called and they said they were from Harpo. I had never seen Oprah. I had no idea who she really was because I don't watch daytime TV. I've been racing cars since I was 16, like you, racing most of my life. You're a racer. Why are you talking to or about because I'm a human? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. And it's like... You know, yeah, I've got more than one dimension. Come on. Yeah, no, you're only supposed to be one. That's it. One silo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's jump in. I mean, for people who don't know who you are, they've definitely seen a viral clip of you, whether it be on, you know, Facebook or Instagram of kill switches or electric cars or something like that. Uh, I guess explain what you do as far as media and, and for a living. Well, I sort of fell into this, believe it or not. Um my background was designing braking systems for automotive and industrial applications. So I developed the first drum to disc brake conversion kit for collector cars for early Mustangs. And I was in high school and I thought, oh, this is great. And then a friend of mine who worked at Motor Week said, hey, you know, it'd be cool to have a girl come out and talk about brakes. It'd be kind of different. So Craig Singhouse invited me down. I went down with my dad at the time. I don't know if you remember him. It was a long time ago. And... Um, we, uh, we did a whole segment with Pat Goss, who's no longer with us, and um, talked about brakes. He goes, this is really great. He goes, you really know what you're talking about because I have an engineering background. But honestly, I was still in high school at the time, just, just into college. I think I was just into college. I developed the brakes system in high school. I was in college at the time. So I finished my college education, and he says, hey, you know, you should go around the country and do uh, you know, dealer training. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. But the time, the pay was $200 a day. And I'm like, that's a thousand bucks a week. I'm doing that. And my father's like, yeah. go do it. So I did. And it was great because he never told me not to do something. He said, try it. You know, if it doesn't work, then so be it. Which was great having parents that were supportive versus sometimes you don't have that in your life and you don't have friends that are supportive and they think you're crazy. But like you, supportive parents to say, do it, go for it, see what happens. And uh, it, actually opened a lot of doors for me because I got to meet a lot of media people. I got to meet a lot of internal people who were at the time were like nobodies, like starting working at Ford or GM or Honda or whatever. And now they're senior executives. So it's nice to stay in touch with people. And again, it's always about time. But um, that led me to, I was actually in Chicago doing a training and someone said, hey, they'd love to have a woman come on and talk about what happened with those Ford Explorers with those tires blowing off the rim. I don't know if you remember. That right. was a long time ago. So, Firestone. Right. So the Firestone tires were not matched to the bead on the wheel, and so they were causing blowouts. It was it was an engineering failure. Uh, but was that opened up doors. Someone at Harpo or Oprah saw me, and I got a phone call. And I was at the Detroit Auto Show, so like six months later. And I'm thinking, this is like 1992. And I thought... I, we had pagers then. Cell phones were super expensive. And then you would go to your to the cell phone and use a card, you know, a special card to get a discount. Cell phones were like bricks at the time, and they were like, you know, a dollar a minute. So um, I got a page from a 312 number. I called, and they said they were from Harpo. I had never seen Oprah. I had no idea who she really was because I don't watch daytime TV. I've been racing cars since I was 16, like you, racing most of my life. Uh, cars are my thing, car shows and whatever. I never wore makeup to that point because it was just me. And if you saw what right. I, if anyone went to high school with me goes, do we go to school with you? Cause like nothing's the same, but your eyes and your voice. I'm like, exactly nothing, <laughs> nothing. No, I was much heavier set. I had reddish curly hair. I've had my nose fixed and blah, 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 blah. There's a list that's 
quite lengthy that's required to be on television. Um, sure. And I know that you've been through that, and so has your dad. It's all about... I knew your dad when he used to wear ripped rip sneakers. We used to laugh at him all the time. Now he's Mr. Put Together, you know? <laughs> oh, he'd get he'd get hate emails. Like, that is sacrilege. You're driving this GT40 in ripped sneakers. You should be ashamed of yourself. There's yeah. a whole long story. We raced with your father, oh my gosh, for years. And we played a little game with each other one time. We realized we had to stop. Uh, I had put my Mustang up on blocks, and we went to go get something to eat. I came back, and the wheels were gone. I'm like, are you kidding? So your dad had put him in his trailer. I don't know if you've ever told you this story. So I'm like, <laughs> oh. So then I was pissed. I was flipping out, thinking someone took my wheels and tires, and like, how am I going to race? Da, da, da. So then he admitted that it was him. So I played a little game on him, and we put a little rag underneath the, the um, his hood with a smoke bomb. And he thought the car was on fire. We didn't we thought that went a little bit too far, but then he came back at us and did something else to us. So my final draw where we, we agreed to stop the line was I put a little sugar packet on the ground. I didn't put sugar in his gas tank, but I had a bunch of packets ripped open with sugar on the ground. He's like, did you really put sugar in my gas tank? And I said, no, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but he was pissed. So I'm like, okay, you know what? This is an arms race because we'll keep torturing each other. That's the time when your father was known as the cookie monster, by the way. Mm-hmm. We'd put a bag of Oreos out and they'd be gone. So <laughs> I don't think he eats like that at all anymore. He's Mr. Lean. But- no, he's he's clean living. We still every new race car he builds, Ryan and I will will print out a little Cookie Monster sticker and put it in his car somewhere. <laughs> I'm glad to see that you guys are continuing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's well, I guess we we got to tell the story for people who don't know. I guess. There was a mandatory pit stop race, and it was like a five-minute pit stop, and he got out of the car, and someone had cookies, so he was eating them, thinking he had all the time in the world, (laughs) and got back in the car at like five minutes and 20 seconds, (laughs) and ended up losing the race because he was eating cookies in the pits, which is just insane to me. Well, your father, like us, you know, we didn't know any better. It was a different era. I was heavier then, too. I mean, I'm not anymore. I eat pretty clean and all that stuff, but... We've all had different things in our reasons in our life to do that, but uh, it's different when you're older than when you're younger. But, uh, but anyways, um, all that racing and everything came together. And I became uh, Oprah's automotive expert, and that opened up like a ton of doors. No, I did not get the Rachel Ray car, you know, car show, nor did I get the Dr. Phil show or all the rest of these people that have shows because she liked cars and she actually owned a Porsche and an Escalade, but. She wasn't a car person whatsoever. You know, she really didn't care. It was more like the cool transportation. So that was kind of uh, frustrating to me because I'm a car person. But once I was on her show the first time, which is a a whole other story, I did a a segment for Vin Wiki explaining the situation because it was like going, I could probably get to the White House with less uh, stress. But um, apparently she has death threats. I don't know why. She's a TV host. But um, but anyway, um, it was just, it was interesting because I, they were, I got an agent after that and he's like, Hey, listen, you got to change your look. And I'm like, what? So here I am with curly hair. Your father knew me back then. And I, he says, go to Toronto. He said, cause New York was just too far. Cause I live in Buffalo. He says two hours away, find somebody who can change your look and learn to wear makeup. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't even own makeup. So what I used to do for TV, it's hysterical. I would go to the mall where they do free makeup, go home, sleep with a <laughs> neck pillow sitting up. So the next morning I could just play with my hair and, and go out and do like local TV stuff because I didn't, I didn't know how to do it because it, you know, I'll change your carburetor. 
Not a problem. You want me to design brake systems? No problem. But if you want me to put on makeup, I was totally lost. So I had to learn how to do all that and keep up with what's current. But I, I went in there with curly hair on the reddish side and left with straight, short, dark hair because curls don't do well on television. So much like my current cut, but shorter. And my husband's like, wow, whoa. He goes, this is like going to be married to another woman. He's this is like, he dropped me off. I look like one thing and I come back out looking like something else. Um, but then I found somebody down here in Buffalo to help me. But again, you don't know until someone shows you much like anything in life. And that opened a lot of doors. So right at that point, the only national news was CNN. Uh, so I was on CNN and then they had CNN, CNN, FN, all this, and it sort of evolved. It was amazing because I was, I'd been to Canada. I'd been to Germany. I've been all over the place doing in English, uh, different countries all over the world now talking about cars. And they thought, oh, it's cool. Women can talk about cars, but actually I'm very technical and it's so difficult because I have to not talk tech. I can't go, let's talk about hydrogen and brittlement. Cause people are like, you know, so instead I try to break down the new technologies to basic English. But along with that comes a lot of government regulations and sort of things just sort of merge together as I, as I was asked to be on all the news networks that have expanded. And I've literally been on everything from Al Jazeera to Rush Limbaugh to uh, you name it to MSNBC. I don't care because I'm talking cars. I'm not talking politics. I'm just educating and empowering people. And it opened up so many doors. And I, I've worked for the DIY network and I've worked for CNBC and I've worked for other networks. But I find out what happens is when you do that, and I'm sure you find the same thing, is you're now pigeonholed in a silo. If I worked for CNN and you don't watch CNN, you have no idea who I am. But if right. I don't have a specific brand, yes, it costs me financially, but the exposure is huge. So I'm about 14 million globally right now. So, and the reason is this morning I was on the Weather Channel, but I was also on Fox Weather. And they both know, and they don't care because their employees are constantly going back and forth. Someone would call me from CNN tomorrow. They could be at Fox News. I don't care, you know. And the lady who I was working with at Oprah, who was the producer, went went to MSNBC. She did a whole bunch of shows, and now she's in a, a different industry. But it's it, all the people you meet. It's just all networking. It's a, like anything. So it turned into a whole business. And instead of working for my dad, I started working with Classic Tube, my husband's company. And that got to the point when the kids were in middle school that I said, I'm going to work from home. And that, again, you never know how you end up where you are, no matter what you're doing. I find myself doing television all the time. So I had 11 radio hits already so far today and three TV. And the day's not over with yet. It runs right up to about 8 o'clock at night for L.A. So it's okay. Wow. It's all good. I don't mind. <laughs> wow. So then then you started, I guess, I, I can see where your thought process went. You, went. you went, okay, I've got all these clips. I may as well start doing stuff on YouTube to stay in front of everyone mm -hmm. and you know if someone comes across you you know even if it's from uh, one of the news networks that you haven't been on yet um so now you're doing what two three videos a week it's it's a serious Five. amount of work <laughs> holy cow <laughs> yeah it, it got out of control on me and at one point i was doing seven to build to a hundred thousand to get that award over there but um but it's interesting because I wasn't really building it. I was kind of sort of building it because I had friends like I know Doug DeMuro, who's the leader in uh, car review sure. channels. And uh, he's a really interesting guy and he's done very well for himself. And if you meet him, he's different. But if you respect that, he's he's really cool. And I'm really happy for his success in cars and bids and all that. But it, it opens up doors to you that's different. 
So I get invited to a lot of things. I'm part of the North American Car and Truck of the Year jury. I was past board member, then president uh, for two years. I'm also on the World Car of the Year jury, which opens up opportunities to go around the world. So I've been to Spain twice last year, Vietnam, uh, Paris, Germany. So it could be Italy. So I, I mean, I've been all over the world, Iceland, you name it. So there's still a few countries I'd like to hit that I haven't before. I decide I'm done with the crazy travel, but... But I'm at a uh, little over 2 million miles of Delta miles. So I guess I've been, <laughs> and it starts again next week. So um, I've got Tucson for um, Lexus. Then I go to Honda for Prelude. Then I go to Genesis in Arizona. Then I'm going to Cars on 5th in, in Naples, Florida. Then I'm going right from there to the Chicago Auto Show. So it's, it's I'm never home, which is why I've been married 35 years. So <laughs> <laughs> it works. That's good. Right, right, absolutely. The kids are adults. I don't busy. have to adult them anymore, you know. <laughs> yeah, 100%. like you. Actually, you know my kids yeah. really well because you all grew up together, so it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I want to jump right into. Uh, I've been watching a bunch of your YouTube videos. Um, some of the stuff that, like I was saying, is getting a whole ton of traction, and frankly, I don't think many people know about. Firstly, is is the kill switch stuff like what it, what's going on there? So what happens in North America, what happens in the U.S., happens in Canada, will happen in Mexico as well, and that's why Canadians and Americans need to know about this because if it starts here, it could become global quite quickly. So the U.S. had passed an infrastructure act in a mad rush of eleven hundred pages, and unfortunately, our politics are just so compromised, probably in both our countries. Um, it's ridiculous. Uh, and those normal people like us that look at what they're doing, like, how could you read 1100 pages in under 24 hours? Nobody can, even if you had a staff of people in it and you broke it up, there, there's no way that someone actually took the time to, cause you got to slow read those things. It's like when you get your finance agreement on your car, you're like, what? I don't even know. Let me, let me read that paragraph again. Cause a lot of it has a lot of subtext in it. So section 24220 of the Infrastructure Act that went through that was passed by both the House and the Senate here in the US in 2021 had a kill switch bill. And no one saw it. I saw it because anything has to do with cars. I scan for the word car or vehicle. That's what I'm always looking for. So I, I can right. run reports quickly to, to get that information. And uh, if you read it slowly, what it says is, and they're already doing this, and if you don't believe me, I can prove it to you. Um, They'll track your eyes in the car. We already see that, right? You're driving along and maybe you're having a conversation with the person next to you and you get a notification on the dash. Maybe you should pull over and get a cup of coffee. Time to take a rest break. You've seen that, right? I Well, I don't... Maybe not on I your car, but it. on a rental I, I car. I try and turn that stuff off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or like the lane, whatever. Lane like departure Put your hands warning. back on the wheel, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yep. So all yeah. of that is tied into monitoring your eyes. So we know that. And we know that they monitor where you go because as well as updating through the through your center screen, they send updates. They also send yep. back that information, and they're supposed to be using that data to improve their their product. But what they do is they need to make money off of it, so they sell your data. We all know that they're selling our data, whether it's social media, your car information, so they know where you're going, they know what you're seeing. So what are they missing? They need to listen in your car. So part of that is listening in your car which they kind of really? already do. Your phone does already because we're having a conversation. And in fact, my right. husband and I have this really fun little like humorous thing we do. So I'll have my phone and he'll have his and I might be on an iPad. Maybe he's on his computer and we're sitting at the kitchen table and I'll, we'll start the cranberry conversation. 
you know, I love cranberries. What would it be like to create a cranberry farm? Wouldn't cranberries be fun? We could make cranberry juice and we just keep saying the word. Yeah. Inbox, boom, right away. Cranberry recipes, how to start a cranberry farm. I'm like, so we know, just try it with anything. Pick a subject, it'll blow you away. The stuff you get on your search engine and you're like, I said yesterday I was thinking about a mattress. See, now that I said that, I'm going to be getting mattress stuff. So it's they're constantly listening and they're using that they claim to make your experience better. But really what it is, is they're selling your data. Um, right. So part of this infrastructure, 24-220 of the infrastructure rule, if you want to see it, I've covered it on my, uh, my Car Coach Reports YouTube channel. Um, and I also have a Substack if you don't like YouTube. I'm also on Rumble if you don't like YouTube. So you have options. <laughs> and I put the same stuff up same time. Um, it's interesting to to note that they need to collect that information. So how do you get that through legally? Well, you get mothers against drunk drivers, which nobody wants drunk drivers. Nobody. There's no one for right. it to get them to support this section of the bill. Because then we can say, we need to make sure that no one starts their car and drives their car who's drunk or under the influence of something. Okay. So what Fair. they've done okay. as of 2026 you know, you push the button to start your car, it's going to detect whether you have some substance in your system, whether it be liquid or otherwise. And they can't do it with everything, like marijuana and things like that. But if it senses that you're potentially reacting to something, it's going to not let you start your car. Now, as of today, there are over 31 different devices that do work for people that are have had a lot of driving under the influence or DWIs, we call it down here, or drunk driving incidences. Those people shouldn't be driving anyhow. And typically they're not gonna go buy a new car. They're gonna use their older vehicle. So they wouldn't even get this. Only the rest of us would be punished. It's one bad apple destroys the, the bucket for the rest of us. Um, but besides that, they're gonna be listening in the car and taking that data. Now who's making the decision whether you're under the influence? That wouldn't be someone, a person sitting behind a screen going, Oh, Gary, I, I think that maybe uh, you're kind of involved in a conversation and it's pretty heated, so we don't want you to drive. No, it's done by AI. So AI, really? a computer, will make a decision based on the information it gains. Your eyes, the communication in the car. So how does it know? Well, it's already doing that today. Your rear view mirror has a made by a company called Gentex, G-E-N-T-E-X, if you'd like to look it up. It's on their homepage that they can scan every aspect of your face, not just yours, everybody in the car, your kid in the back seat, your dog that might be in the car. I know it's gonna freak you out because I was so peeved when I saw it. So it's scanning this. So if I turn and I look at the person next to me and I'm talking to them, it's scanning my lips, my eyes, my nose, my face, the shape of my face, and the person next to me, and taking in that data through the rear view mirror and using it to make a decision whether you're paying attention or not. Now, here's the thing. With this kill switch, you're driving down the road. Somebody you went work with, they have a heart attack, and you're like, oh my gosh, we're getting them to the hospital. You're gonna be stressed, not a question. That person's gonna be really stressed and you're gonna be driving over the speed limit. Well, you're driving over the speed limit. They can sense the stress when you started the car. They see you're driving too fast. All these senses of your reactions and your facial reactions based on these type of information and inputs. And they're gonna put on your four ways and you will have to pull the car over because it won't start. Really? Okay, your wife's having a baby. Okay, you're bleeding, you cut yourself. 
Think of a million scenarios. There's a million scenarios. Your dad had a heart attack. Holy crap, I got to get over there. I, ha- I I need to be at the hospital or at their house or whatever it is. My house is on fire. Pick a million different things. There's a ton of them. And your car is going to sense and make a decision based on a computer, not based on a person. So how do you get out of that? That's the next thing. So it's a mistake. Oops, the computer was wrong. You were just having a conversation through your earpiece with a worker or someone you co-work with who's being a jerk, whatever, right? Or you're being smart, Alec. You can't yeah. get out of kill switch jail. So how do you do that? That's not been planned. So you're sitting on the side of the road. You have to wait for a tow truck or someone to come get you because the car's not going to sense, oh, you're no longer stressed. You're no longer drunk because they put it through the guise of drinking while driving. So alcohol wouldn't get out of your system for a while. Does that mean the car doesn't work for eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours? I mean, is it a nice neighborhood? Is it a bad neighborhood? Is it the side of the road where there's no one around? Is it the middle of a blizzard? Who knows? These are all stupid government regulations. And everyone's like, well, why do they have, we can take that out. Well, we tried. Senator uh, Massey took it to the floor. Uh, he's a House of Representatives from the state of Kentucky. I think I think it's Kentucky, um, either Kentucky or Louisiana. But he did take it to the floor and read it, and he got bipartisan support, including from AOC. Now, if you don't know who she is, she's crazy. But the fact that she yep. agreed to have it stripped out of the bill says something. Maybe she doesn't want to be listened to in her car. What are they doing? Sure. With Who's getting that data, right? <laughs> so right. I found that interesting, and. It did not pass because 19 Republicans said we want to have it in because of drunk driving regulations. So they got conned. So it's in there and we can try to take it out. It's going to take some another approach, another effort. But they put it out for comment for consumers. So on the beginning of the description and pinned at the top of the comments, I've given you a link to go to the federal registry. I don't care what country you're in. Put it in there and say, are you effing crazy? Because yeah. the fact is the first person that gets killed or harmed or fill in the blank, there's a bazillion different options that you can't escape from. Some that it'll be too late, right? So we need we need to be proactive, get our comments in. They're taking comments till the middle of February, and then that's it. And they said even in their comments, we expect that there'll be some false negatives. Oh, sorry, you're trying to get your kid to the doctor, your, your child, something's going on, and you can't go because the car is making the assumption in your driveway that you're under the influence because you were yelling at your kids two minutes ago and your blood pressure seems elevated. This is going to be a massive issue. I'm telling you, this is bad. And I'm I'm actually talking to some people uh, that are trying to put together a federal group of people to stop this. I'm talking to a lobbying group who's raising money to stop this. This needs to be made very public and you need to speak out because like any government regulation, for some reason, these idiots that we elect to go into office start off on the right foot. But when they get there, they're told by their people, their interns, oh, everybody's supporting that. Everybody wants that kill switch. Nobody's saying no. But the only reason they know is when it's listed in the federal registry. Then they get the information and go, oh, I guess we were wrong. Yes, they're wrong. It was a bad idea. But much like what goes on here in the U.S., there's a lot of dumb ideas, and that's what I bring forward through Car Smarts, because uh, knowledge is power, and also through Car Coach Reports. Like I said, we're splitting the channel, so eventually there'll be a Car Smarts channel, and the car reviews will remain on Car Coach Reports. But for now, they're going to stay the same. 
because a lot of people like to know what the heck's going on in this world. And uh, make right. sure to share it and put your comments out there on the federal registry. Yeah, that, like that's who whose idea was that? Why did it? You know, was it was it th was it someone and then they pushed it through Mad or was it was it Mothers Against Drunk Driving that started this idea? Well, I'm sure they've been petitioning. Everyone's got a lobbying uh, firm working for them, but putting it in the infrastructure bill and saying that they're going to stop you from drunk driving, good thing. But there's already 31 devices that do that. So right. why would you need to have something that hurts people who aren't drunk? So if you're drunk, they have all kinds of things. You can breathe into a breathalyzer. It then denotes whether you've got alcohol in your system and the car won't start. But that doesn't stop them from getting someone else to do it. Um, and again, there's always a bypass because we're all pretty crafty and creative. That's what we do. Um, but... I'm really concerned that this was put through by some politicians who are all about control. Um, mm. Much like electric vehicles, it sounds great on the surface. They say it's literally all about uh, the environment, but we know otherwise because we know it's about limiting the distance in your freedom. That's really what that was about. And living in Canada, you know, uh, it's all over the news, so it's been priceless. I love it. For over 10 years, I've been saying, these electric vehicles, dumb idea. They don't work in Canada. I've been up snowmobiling with you guys before, way up north, and cars won't start. People put heat blankets on their engines so that they're warm. We've seen brake fluid freeze, which is, like, really hard to do because it's ethylene glycol and, and things like that. And so when you start looking at, you know, why do governments put these silly mandates in place? There's always an alternative motive, and it's always about controlling us, the people. So... I think whoever, whoever, from whatever country you're in, you elect into office, let them know. You want my vote? You're not going to get it unless you start waking up to what we want. We put you there, but we can also take you out. For sure. For sure. I mean, and, you know, since, call it whatever, the, the 30s, the 40s, the, especially the 50s and 60s, like, the car is the symbol of personal freedom. You know, you get in a car. You can go wherever you want. No one knows where you're going. Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's the symbol of freedom for a teenager when they're 16 and they get their driver's license. And it was it's probably in this, you know, in this modern era of surveillance, it's the last, you know, bastion of, of personal freedom. And now that's kind of being taken away. I mean, right. and now you got the phone, at, I think, so you can't have a private conversation anymore. It used to be if I'm talking to you and you're talking to me, nobody knows. Right. That's before you. But I like with your father's age and mine, we could have a conversation. Say, don't tell anyone. It wasn't going on, you know, TikTok. No one was going to post it on Snapchat. That was it. If someone found out, one of us leaked it. That was it. It was right. pretty easy. But now you don't have to say anything because everybody knows, and everyone. I already posted on that. That's up on Instagram on my reel. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're talking about Canada. I think you posted this morning, and I've seen it all over the news. All these, all these parking lots and and charging stations where teslas are just parked i mean this morning it's minus 18 out which is like two or three degrees for you guys yeah. like it's freezing yeah and so what is the limiting factor for those cars do they just not they just won't start in you know severely cold weather they won't charge okay so the cars are kind of cool if you live in like that middle of north america but if you live on the upper half of the U.S. or into Canada, you get super cold temperatures. And I've been up to Quebec where it's so cold that, I mean, things are frozen solid. 
uh, I was up there for a Michelin tire test and they were doing it to show that their ice tire was the best ice tire. Well, that's a place to do that. But electric right. vehicles, they lose about 40% of their battery life in cold weather to begin with, no matter what it is. So when you're driving a combustion engine or a diesel powered vehicle, once it's running, it, it doesn't take much to make it run, but you can always jump a dead battery. You can't jump an electric car battery. So you plug it in at the charging station. So maybe it takes 20 minutes typically for a fast charge on a level three on a Tesla. What ends up happening is, and they had people on the news reports loving it, loving this, 90 minutes and they still haven't got 20% charge. Wow. Because you lose that going from the charging station through the cord into the vehicle. So, of course, a lot of times there's no place for people to go. Uh, there was somebody who was in Calgary over the weekend who said they went to go to a restaurant to charge, figured they'd go inside, get something to eat, and they'd come out and it'd be done. But that restaurant was closed. So he sat in the car, had the vehicle running. Of course, he had to do a video on this because he couldn't believe it, with the heat on and the radio, just kind of chilling out, playing on his phone. He said, and after being there an hour, he only had 20 minutes of, of range. And he's like, this is, you know, 20 miles of range. He goes, I, I, I can't. I can't do this. And he'd already been there an hour. Two hours later, he had to post another video saying, I am done. I am done with this. This is not working. I've already spent two hours of my day sitting in my car and I'm not getting enough to even get home. That's when people wake up to the realities. And I have spoken about this for over 10 years. And if you knew the heat that I've taken, car manufacturers, some won't even invite me to some of their events because I don't follow their green agenda. Like I, I own Audis. That's part of the Volkswagen group. Audi will not right. invite me to anything, none of their events, because all of their vehicles are going to be electric. So if I don't drink their Kool-Aid, then they don't want me there. But I do review every single electric car. I'll get one from the dealer. It's not a big deal. Um, and the interesting thing is I've never, ever said, don't buy one of these. I've said, if you want one, you should buy one. And they are cool cars, and it's not the car's fault. Sure. It's battery technology. It's the infrastructure. You can't make something exist that doesn't exist. And believe me, they're trying. Uh, there are other solutions, but electric vehicles are not that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like uh, electric vehicles have been around for you know, since the beginning of vehicles mm -hmm. almost. And, and there's always been a market, you know, based on the demand in the market. But why are we seeing this, this new push from the top down for electric vehicles? And, you know, within the last, call it five years, it's, it's, I don't know if it's mandated from different governments, but every manufacturer seems to be spending billions of dollars to now go full, full EV. Well, they don't have a choice. See, the World Economic Forum has made the mandate that the world is coming to an end unless we get rid of combustion engines and we all live in 15-minute cities, which is not going to happen because, like you, I live out in the middle of nowhere, and I like it that way. Um, but so what they've got is the governments on board, your government, my government, to agree that we need to do this for the good of the environment. So if a car manufacturer, fill any of them, says, we're, we're not going to do this. There's just no way we're going to do this then they get fined by the EPA. That's our Environmental Protection Agency. And I don't mean fined a lot. I'm talking billions of dollars. So they're producing cars as great as they can. And they're good cars. But they're taking millions of dollars in losses in it because they just can't. They're not selling enough of them. And even if they were selling enough of them, the cost of building these vehicles to make them a reasonable price for consumers, there's no profit margin left. So they're taking millions of dollars of losses. So here are their choices. Billions of dollars in fines 
or millions of dollars in losses. So they're gonna go with the less of the two so they don't put their company out of business. They got everybody drinking the Kool-Aid. Everybody's on the same page. I just talked with, who was at the Consumer Electronics Show? It was Honda said, oh, we're 100% in. Oh, it was, no, it was Toyota. It was, it was Toyota or Honda. It was one of the Japanese brands. And they said, we're 100% in, we're, we're following this. And so we asked, so is this environmental-based? We're trying to be nice about it, you know, try to be a little smooth on the questions. And they said, oh, no, absolutely. We believe that the environment is in danger and that we have to produce these. So they have indoctrinated their employees to following along. Plus, you got all these kids coming out of school who have been indoctrinated to believe that this is the only answer. But in reality, it isn't. Because remember, when Carl Benz came up with his first vehicle, it was battery-operated. It didn't work so well, couldn't get the range. Baker in 1916 was the last electric vehicle that was being produced. Uh, I think Jay Leno has one of those. Uh, really cool vehicle you sat on the battery, but you got 30 miles of range. That doesn't work. So yes, battery technology has evolved, and the best car you can get for range is a Lucid Air, which is about 560 miles of range, which is a lot. However, the cold weather does impact it, and you lose 40% sure. of that. So it's a larger number of loss than if the car only has a 250 miles of range. Um, and I've proven that on the BZ4X and a bunch of other cars, and they know it. The car manufacturers are well aware. But when you sit down with them, when I go to these events and I sit down with an executive, that's where you get the truth. Let them have a couple drinks. So fill in the blank. What do you really think of electric cars? And they're like, we're dying. We're dying on the vine. They're going to kill our car company. We're shrinking our employees. We're reducing our portfolio. We're making as few of them as possible and still trying to offer hybrid and gas. That's the truth. And that comes down to literally every brand. They can say whatever you want to hear on the news, whatever that is the government wants to hear. The truth is people don't want them. They're not buying them. If you want one, you should be able to buy one. Absolutely. But in the long haul, if people aren't buying electric vehicles and they're seeing the truth about the higher costs for insurance going through tires quicker than you would on a regular vehicle because they weigh more and they also have regenerative brakes and so forth. And you start looking at, does this work for your lifestyle? You know, insurance, charging stations, et cetera, potential fires, all the fill in the blanks. People are just going, you know, I'm going to go with a hybrid. I'm going to look at a Prius Prime, which just won North American Car of the Year. Or I'm going to look at a something that may not be a plug-in that's a hybrid. There's tons of choices out there. And initially, they didn't get traction, but now they are because you're getting the best of both worlds. However, when one of those propulsions dies, whether it be electric or gas, that's when it gets expensive. So remember, if you're buying a hybrid, leasing it is the smartest move. Get rid of it before the warranty is up because the costs, especially if you talk to a mechanic, will tell you, oh, it's not good. It's really expensive. So, or do what I do, still driving a diesel SUV and I'm not getting rid of it. Yeah, yeah, I might go, I'm trying to find a 92 or 94 F-250, so ah. might, that, that might be the way out. That's not, <laughs> I have a Cayenne diesel, I love my Porsches, but um, but I've, I have a 2013, which my son bought from me, and I have a 2016, which I custom ordered, special wishes, and it showed up. I was on my way home from Maryland with it, and the dealer called me and said, hey, you want to sell that back? I'm like, no, I love this truck. I ordered it. It's, it's my second one. It's fabulous. He goes, we have a stop sale. So they got caught lying, and that was all on Volkswagen, and they were paying the price, but they're making money off of their penalty, which is ridiculous. So if you did something wrong and you had to pay a penalty to your government or to whomever, you don't get a, to make profit off of that. But Volkswagen is. They own Electrify America. 
So they're putting up the charging stations and charging you for the charging stations. It's like, oh my God, since when does a, a fine mean you get to make money off of your fine? It doesn't. So that was the deal that they negotiated. But the fact is they're still selling diesels in Europe and they're still fabulous trucks and cars. Right, right. So with all of this push happening and the demand simply isn't there, you see things like in California where you know, they're putting into whatever legislation or law that now no new car, no new combustion cars can be sold after whatever, pick, whatever. 2032, year it is, 2030. I think it is right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. So they're really putting the squeeze on. That's going to be, that's going to be wild. Like, I mean, it's never going to happen. What are, is, is everyone just going to go out of state and buy cars there yes. and then bring them back? Yes, okay. exactly. Or they'll keep their used vehicles. I'm telling you, it's not going to happen because I have many of friends that live in Southern California. It is a it is a car state. If you were a car sure. person, you'd want to be in California or Florida, someplace where it's warm and people drive their cars around. California is where the hot rod industry was originally evolving from, and Detroit as well. But really, California is like the sweet spot if you're looking for hot rods and street rods and race cars. And there's so much to do. They're destroying it. I know what's going to happen. I talked to a very good friend of mine uh, who works for IC Cars, and they, they do deep dive analysis. They said people can't afford it. You can't ask people who can barely afford to live there to sell their used 94 Camry. It's my favorite sort of <laughs> rando car. You know, your Taurus, and go buy a brand new car. That means more, higher insurance payments no matter what because it's a newer car. you got to find a place to charge it or put in a charging station, which you can't afford, and... You know, and a higher payment where I never had a payment. I have a car that I've been maintaining and, you know, changing the brakes and getting new tires and changing the oil and taking care of. That costs me nothing in comparison to what those costs are. People can't afford that, especially with the higher cost of living in California versus anywhere else in the U.S. And right now, Gavin Newsom is the governor. He's not going to be there forever. He can't be there forever. He's timing out at the end of his term in two years. That's not 2032. That's 2026. And whoever the next governor is, I couldn't tell you that. Whomever that is, there could be two governors by the time 2032 rolls around. Consumers are going to say, here's the deal. You want to get reelected or you want to get elected? This has got to go. And according to people I know that live in California, this is not unusual. This happens all the time in California. They make these strange rules and mandates, and then they change their mind because consumers either can't afford it or they know they won't get elected or reelected. So... Right now, it's great to say that. We've got the same thing with our crazy governor here in New York. She's completely clueless, and I would tell her that to her face, and I actually know her. We're not friends, but I know her, um, as well as Illinois and all the others. What's interesting is there was a $7,500 tax credit available for electric vehicles. So you could look at all the great selection out there. Some amazing vehicles, like a Kia EV9 or something like that. Here's the problem. They're not eligible as of 2024 because of the infrastructure law that was put in place. And that means that only 10 vehicles are eligible. And they're very expensive. The only one that isn't is the Chevy Bolt EV, which they're not going to make anymore. But if you want all the other cars, including a Tesla, only the Model X, the 3, and the Y performance versions only. Everything else doesn't count. So you think getting away with it, the Tesla or Lucid or Rivian, nope, they don't. you don't get the tax credit. Then the state of California and the state of Illinois and the state of Vermont are out of money. So they were giving you $2,500 additional as an incentive to buy an EV. Oops, we're not replenishing those funds. So mm. at the end of the last year would have been the ultimate time 
to purchase an electric vehicle of your choice. Some brands like Kia and Hyundai, I think uh, General Motors and Ford are offering you that $7,500 tax credit automatically. But there's always a caveat. What the big print gives, the small print always takes away. They raise their prices by $10,000. <laughs> so really, it's just costing you $2,500 more. It's, this is wow. ridiculous. I'm telling you, you always got to read. This is why I do the work for you, so that when you go to Car Smarts or, or Car Coach Reports, you're like, I get it. And I post regularly on X. I'm on everything. Literally, you name them. I'm still on Tumblr. I still post on Tumblr because if I get <laughs> five more people seeing it, I've educated five more people. So I'm not on, uh, what's the other one that used to be around? The first, the, one of the first ones, uh, I forgot the name. I'm not on that anymore, but uh, what was it called? MySpace. MySpace anymore. MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm on Instagram and Twitter and, and all the rest of those. So that's not a problem. Right. Have you looked at, you know, the, 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 the overarching claim is that EVs are green or we're going to net zero and, you know, the, they're going to be exponentially more or they're, you know, yeah, they are, they're net zero. And, and have you looked into that claim at all? You Absolutely. know, as are they, are they any better? How much better? Are they worse? Yes, they're worse. Believe it or not, they're worse. So we call, we call in our industry cradle to grave. So that means where all the materials come from for the whole vehicle, whether it be a plastics or the battery or the engine and the components, the fluids, all the way to are they recyclable, how much of it is. So if you're looking at a combustion car, you're looking at, you know, of course, the oils and the fluids, and you can use a lot of manufacturing using full synthetic, which is all chemicals, no fossil fuels. However, right. both electric and hybrid and every vehicle that's out there has those cool lines and these really cool headlights, all of that plastics are derivatives of fossil fuels. We will never get rid of your phone. Even the glass that I'm drinking out of is processed with fossil fuels. Everything, the clothes you're wearing, because I did a project for the fossil fuel industry, they freaked me out. They go, I go, well, I have a cotton shirt on. It's got fossil fuels. I'm like, all right, I'm drinking out of a glass bottle, fossil fuels. All right, I'm using stainless processed with fossil fuels. I'm like, there's nothing, whether it be wow. tires, everything. So. When you start your medications, I mean, you start trying to come up with ideas of things that it isn't in. You start driving, everything has it. Uh, and that was done from way back when, talking about Rockefeller days. These people were super smart. They knew how to make money. And they literally have it in every aspect of your life, including how they process your medications. So that's interesting. So now, okay, so what about a battery? We're getting all these, they call them rare earth minerals. Some of them are rare, but most of them, there's a lot of them, but we don't mine them, especially here in North America, because they're so hazardous to the environment and the people that would potentially mine them, even in full Tyvek suits and all that. So cobalt is the worst of them. Um, and where is it being mined? It's being mined in South Africa and on Sadly and all over Africa. They use children and women, no barefoot, no protection whatsoever. And the BBC did a huge expose, and it, they've done it multiple times, uh, as well as other people have actually gone there to these mines. I wouldn't even want to go to those mines personally, because you're breathing in all that cobalt dust, and you get something called cobalt lung. Most of these people don't live to be beyond 35. It's really sad. It's really horrifying. But that's what they do to stay alive, because they're basically slaves mining this stuff, taking these stones. The problem is there's only a limited amount of this cobalt. You've got cadmium, mercury, which is super dangerous, uh, lithium, 
Uh, neodymium, which is the magnetic part of it, again, very dangerous to a lot of people. But we don't mine none of those here in North America. Now, they have tried to do a lithium mine, I believe, in Canada and also in Nevada. But they never seem to clear the government regulations because of the environmental impact. But it's okay right. to do it in other countries. Here's the kicker. Who owns all these mines all around the world? About 98% of them. And they're in South Africa. Uh, my, my guess is China. You got it. You get the prize of the day. So who owns the electric vehicle industry? China. China. Yeah. So what happened was, and, and I've, I've covered all this uh, in my reports, and if you, I try to break it down to little nuggets because after about five minutes, people's eyes glaze over. So I try to give you like four or five minutes. I don't do long-term deep dives because most people just don't have the patience for that. We all live in a very Instagram world of 160 characters on Twitter. It's like, can you just get it to me in a, a nugget? Yeah. Um, so China wanted to take over the auto industry. They knew they couldn't beat the Germans who do build some of the best cars in the world. They knew they couldn't beat the Koreans or the Japanese who have really perfected it. So what can they do? So they decided to come up with a different propulsion. So the first thing they did is they bought all the mines so that no one else could get to them. Then they said, the environment is bad. Okay, G also works with the work economic forum. Here we are again. It's saying, we're going to spread the word. The environment is bad. We're all going to die in 10 years, which that was more like 50 years ago they started saying that. But so then what their thought was, we have to get people to know that we're building electric cars. So there are companies that are in China that build electric cars. Uh, BYD, which is owned by an American billionaire, mostly owned, how convenient. Uh, Warren Buffett is his name, if you've heard of that. Uh, you've got NEO, you've got about 125 or more electric car companies in China right now. They partnered wow. in with Tesla to build cars there. He is now number two in China. So they steal their stuff. Anyone who's worked with China in any way, shape, yeah. or form knows they'll just steal your stuff and there's nothing you can do about it. Too bad for you. Right. You were foolish enough to partner in with us because their deal is they own 51% of your company if you build mm. in China, which includes right. Ford and GM and everybody else, Volkswagen. Um, so they now have a big chunk of this electric vehicle market and they don't really care, honestly, because they're building coal plants and nuclear power plants by the day, about 16 a week mix of coal and nuclear power. That's a lot. We're not doing that. We're shutting down coal plants here in North America. We're shutting down nuclear power plants, which is a green source, but it's not subsidized by the government. So they're pushing for wind and solar, which isn't, which is the part of the infrastructure issue. So if you go cradle to grave again, back to the original question of the battery, its components, building it, assembling it, shipping it to the U.S., finishing the assembly, getting those components together, selling the car, using the car, batteries gone, the charging of that car, and then recycling it. And there is a company called Redwood Materials, which I've covered, who can recycle most of the battery, but not all of it. So okay. to give you an idea why they can't, it's like me offering you a birthday cake and saying, hey, could you take the eggs out of it? And you'd be like, I can't do that. It's mixed in. Exactly. Because mm. it's part of the mixture that makes it do what it does. You can't take all of it apart. You can take some of it apart. There's a lot of waste, and they're trying to reuse those materials that they do recycle in upcoming recycled batteries. But I just don't see this working because solar panels are not recyclable, and neither are those fiberglass windmills that you see spinning around that annoy people, um, destroying the landscape. All this makes no sense. These are the same crazy people who put out a story about a month ago saying the biggest problem with the environment and causing greenhouse gases is people breathing. Okay, well, you oh, first. Good. You first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, you don't have to follow that logic very far. Yeah. Well, 
they're trying to see how far they can push it. So when you look at cradle to grave on an electric car, the costs involved to the consumer, the costs involved to the manufacturer, the over everything, A, A to Z for both, it costs more for an electric vehicle. The impact to the environment is greater. And overall to the consumer, it'll take you about 10 years to recoup your money. Although you think initially, oh, I'm doing okay. You know, it's, I don't have to go to the gas station. So up front in front of your nose, sure, your payments are higher. Okay, your charging is a pain in the butt. Okay, I gotta put in a charging station. All right, you start adding that up and you realize in the end, tires getting wearing out quicker, brake pads wearing out quicker. And I've had a lot of fights with people on the brake pad discussion, but it's the truth, you know, it's, it is what it is. I, I Cars weigh more that takes more to stop them, uses up more friction material. And uh, I, I'm on the Global Brake Symposium and the Tire Industry Safety Council and all this. And I had a huge fight with a guy at Forbes magazine. I used to write for them. He says, you're wrong. I go, really? Would you like to? So basically I ended the relationship of writing for Forbes by going, and we're done. You know? Right. Well, if you can't write the truth, why, why are you going to write anything at all? Well, that so. tells you to start questioning everything you read. Everything right. you question uh, me, oh. question me. If you don't like what I'm saying, you think I'm wrong, do your own research. And if I'm wrong, put it in the comments. I will read it. I'll reply. But if I'm right, go ahead and share that with somebody else. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> I'm, I don't need to be told I'm right or wrong. You share it with others and let them know. Cause that's the only way we're going to beat this fight. Right. So what is happening with, with China? I've seen some stuff where they're, they're trying to get into the American market as far as their, uh, like the, the vehicles, the EV vehicles that they, that they manufacture themselves. What's going on there? Well, when it comes to uh, China, they, they don't build here in the U.S. They do okay. own some plants. They do some buses and things here, and they supply components. For some reason, they've never been able to build here in the U.S., partly because of the cost of labor. Imagine mm. their labor is super cheap. So why would they want to build in the U.S., build a plant, pay all the fines and fees, play all the political games? Instead, they build in other countries and import, but it's expensive to bring things in. And there's an import tariff that President Trump put in place. So they found a way to beat the system, which is what the Chinese are really good at. They're buying property in Mexico because okay. of the USMCA, which is United States, Mexico, and Canada working together cross-border. And that happens a lot. Like, I own a last call Hellcat, the Demon 170. That was built in Brampton, Ontario. So some of the right. components were here. Some of them went across the border, then back across the border. It could happen a couple times when the car was done. It was shipped to Detroit, across the border, to me. So that's not unusual, both the Mexican and the Canadian border, because the plants, are it's cheaper in some cases. You have unions in Canada. We have unions in the U.S. There aren't unions in Mexico. So they're <laughs> no. building in Mexico, discounted rate, and they're going to ship them across the border and come in with super low-dollar cars, now, you may go, this is great. I'm going to buy a Chinese car. It's going to cost me 25 grand. Maybe I don't get the tax credit because it won't be eligible. But who cares? Yeah. It's built in Mexico, and they're going to come and take over the market. I think when that happened with Japan coming in, you know, with the Hondas mm. and the Toyotas and the, the Time Datsun, which is now Nissan, it was yep. different. I think the American car companies, which we only have two now because Chrysler is Stellantis, which is owned by a French car company uh, called PSA. Um, and they were owned by an Italian car company that you bailed out in North America with your tax dollars, another genius yep. move by our federal government. Uh, but you start looking at that, they got arrogant. And when the Japanese came in, it made them offer more, offer better, offer lighter, offer smarter. And so the domestics have 
been challenging the Japanese who really are building here in the U.S., offering jobs in the U.S., and have done a great job. The Koreans came in and said, what are the Japanese doing wrong? Well, they offer great cars. The domestics offer good cars. We need something more. So the Koreans came in with a 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Mm. And they come in low price. And they right. initially their cars were eh. They were okay. Much like how VinFast, which is Vietnamese car companies, come into the U.S., so it's not great, not ready for prime time. But over the years, you're looking at Kia and Hyundai and Genesis, their luxury line is top of the line, premium cars with long warranties. And their dealer network is across the country. They're building product in the South where there's no unions. They're very smart. But if you bring the Chinese in here and they're not building here in the U.S., they're going to cut everybody. To give you an idea of the impact about 60% of the U.S. economy is impacted in some way, shape, or form by the auto industry. So people don't wow. think about that. So what does that mean? Well, it's not just tires and NVIDIA with their screens and you know uh, maybe an assembly company or a metal company, which is now owned by the Japanese. Um, you start looking at the big picture of it all, marketing companies, um, all the sub-companies that, that support what it takes, including little towns and cities, dealers, the dry cleaner across the street from the dealer, the little diner next door, all this is being impacted. You don't want to lose your dealer networks because it affects local communities, but mm. then it also affects the economy as a whole because little towns that get destroyed and become ghost towns, which happened at West Point, Georgia, Kia came in and now they own West Point, Georgia. The Kia plant is there. They revived a city that was completely dead. They've got dry cleaners and Chinese restaurants and, you know, all the things that you would think of in a town from a, you know, a Walmart to a, you name it, to a Chick-fil-A because they were smart enough to see that that's how you help this country, not take money away. The Chinese are not coming in with that mindset. They're coming in with destruction and they will do that. And the cost for them to make these components is so cheap because they're not using people to build these cars. They're going to use robots. So they don't have a people problem. There'll be a couple people mm. wandering around the plant, probably Chinese you know, nationals that are shipped there to, to make it operate. And if there's a problem, fix it. But other than that, start producing cars. Quality is not as so great, is, but some people don't care. Right, right. I mean, I, I guess I, I'm, I'm fairly, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm fairly on the side of the, well, I'm 100% on the side of the free market. I'm fairly on board with free trade. Mm. We get... Um, you know, things like our cell phones and, and all sorts of other stuff from China. Mm -hmm. What is the downside for the consumer other than the broader economy? Or is there one? Uh, parts, service. Okay. Um, okay. Not helping the economy. You're only helping yourself. But some people are like that. And I'm sure they're going to sell them once they get here, much like VinFast with their cars. They're not the greatest right now. They'll get better. They'll figure it out. But they're opening up a plant in Raleigh-Durham, North Carolina. Mm. So... I think it's interesting to watch this industry as it grows and changes. There's a lot of um, things that people don't see or think about that um, that impact more than just you and your pocketbook. And sure. although it always sounds great on the surface, and that's how this started, right? I can go to Kmart, which isn't a business anymore, hmm? yep. and I can buy fill-in-the-blank, makeup, whatever, less expensive than I can at the mall. So people started going to big box stores. But when COVID hit, it was interesting because everyone in the big box stores were open, but the little mom and pop shops weren't. And that, right. so, so the government's sort of picking winners and losers. 
and we don't want that. So like you said, the free trade sounds great for things to make production, but it also has its negatives. And part of that is once you allow them to infiltrate our country, which they've done with a ton of crappy foods and they own a lot of our food companies, all, even the organic food companies that you think are, oh, this is a really clean brand. They're owned by bigger companies like Hormel who are owned by the Chinese. I mean, so I just found some of that last night. It was just flipping me out. So do your homework whenever you do these things. Uh, I think just anything in life these days because people aren't always looking out for your best interest. It's up to you to do that. And I just give you tools to think about when it comes to whether it's buying a car, selling, leasing, or you just want to know about something new that's coming out. So that's kind of how all this started. And it evolved heavily about 2019. And then through COVID, I just kind of amped it up to a whole new level. But um, so I've got my own studio now. So it keeps me, uh, gives me the ability to shoot literally anything here from a teleprompter to a news report. Oh, that's great. I need a teleprompter. Oh, I'll have to talk um, about that. I'll show you how to do. It's really <laughs> great. Because if you can read... And you make the font big enough, it doesn't even look like you're reading. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, jumping over to Germany, mm-hmm. you know, there for maybe discount the last couple years because you don't see much on the news anymore. But for the, you know, the previous 10 years, it was they were held up as the shining example. Look how you know progressive Germany is. Look what they're doing with solar. Look, they're they're shutting down all their coal plants. Well, they didn't shut them all down. But they'd freeze, you know, <laughs> now. Yeah. And and now I understand and you can fill me in on this. They're backing up on the EV stuff a little bit. No, they backed off. <laughs> so they were like early in on it. Part of that was because of the diesel gate. Right. They lied. They overpromised, underdelivered, said we can make diesel products that don't have urea, which is add blue in the exhaust. So they made the promise, but they weren't able to deliver. So they kind of put themselves in an ugly situation. So when they got caught eventually by sheer accident, they had to, to bail and do it, whatever the World Economic Forum and all the federal governments pushed on them, which was electric cars. So that was mm. an example that they opened up to themselves. So for the, you're right though, in the past, Germany was the bar. Every single brand would say, we're this or this compared to an Audi A4, uh, an Audi Q5, an Audi Q7, because they really did set the bar. I'm not saying their quality is no longer there, but they're no longer the bar any longer, which I find very interesting. The bar is now the Japanese brands, Toyota Mm. and Honda. Nissan makes good product. They've got a lot of issues, especially through all that Carlos Ghosn nightmare that they created themselves, and they're going to spend decades recovering from it. But in the meantime, Toyota and Honda really have set the bar the quality is there, the price is there, the reliability is there, the low insurance costs, people like that. But Germany was all in on this EVs and their professor Dudenhofer, which was the guy, he was the guy, when he said electric cars are the answer, everybody jumped on board. He has recently said as of December 13th, I was wrong. I give the guy a ton of credit for saying he was wrong because most people won't admit when they make a mistake. So. It's, it's good to, I admit when I make mistakes, I have in my past, I think everybody has, but when you admit that you make a mistake and saying that it's not right for Germany, it's the reality of the fact that it's costing them a lot because over 60% of their population works in the auto industry. So (laughs) what are you doing? You need 40% less workers. You're going to have a lot of people sitting at home. That means a lot of crime or people doing things that you would hope they wouldn't be doing. 
you know, maybe they'll come up with new industry, but in the meantime, they haven't. And they've got a big problem with unemployment. They've got a big problem with their economy. They've got a big problem with a lot of people that are from other countries. They've got a lot of big problems. And because of all of that, and you, and you look at Germany as a whole, and they're no longer standing behind electric vehicles, and they stopped their electric vehicle mandate, that's mm. interesting because France isn't far behind. They dropped anything that comes out of China, no more tax credit. New Zealand. That happened just as I had posted that video. It's on all the information that is on my um, Car Coach Reports channel. New Zealand, no more electric car uh, subsidies. UK, same thing. They're not building electric cars there. So I find that very interesting. So as you're watching this all unfold, we may be looking at this five, maybe less years from now going, huh, maybe I was right. I won't say I mm. told you so. I just want to inform and educate you. Right. Right. So they're backing off. I mean, you'd have to think that at a certain point, the U.S. will back off, you know, unless they, I don't know what, want to bail out the, the domestic manufacturers again in the near future. Well, there's only two of those. Um, yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. As long as Biden's in the White House, he's going to push for the Green New Deal, uh, electric planes. You can ride on those. I'm not. When, <laughs> when all of his beast, his his cars and his fleet all run on electric, you let me know because that ain't ever going to happen. It's always in us and them. They're out in their yeah. private planes flying all over you know, wherever the world, Davos, you name it. But you and I, you have to stay home. Your footprint is too large. For me, I get to eat the Wagyu beef, the Kobe steaks. You can have bugs. The, you see this in everything. It's a it's a split. And if they want us to have nothing, you can take that any way you want. I'm not wearing a tinfoil hat. It's not a tinfoil hat if it's real. So keep sure. that in mind. So it's been I've been proven real a lot. I'm not going down all these conspiracy funnels, but I will tell you that it's so obvious that when they say it, people can't believe it. Like, you really just said that? That Canada's going to go all electric? I'm like, have you been to Canada? <laughs> you know? How is that going to work in the Northern Territories? How is that going to work in Northern Quebec, Montreal? Yeah. yeah. Good luck. Because you're never going to, you're not going anywhere. Maybe that's the goal, right? Just maybe. Mm. If you can't get a charge in your electric car, you can't afford an electric car because the cost of everything is more expensive. And that's all you can buy. How is that helping people? It isn't. It's helping somebody, no. but it's not helping you. No, for sure. Everyone gets sacrificed on the altar of, you know, green energy or whatever it is. Well, I think that's I think people are waking up to that. The average person who doesn't have time to do deep dives into anything are starting to wake up and go, yeah, this this is not what they said. This is not going to work. For sure. Before I let you go, um, I, I always ask uh, my guests a, a piece of advice they'd have for, you know, a younger person or it doesn't have to be a younger person. But so for you you know, fairly specifically, I guess, is what advice do you have for women who, who want to get into or who, who have a passion and want to make a make a living following their passion? Oh, that I would be thrilled to offer some advice on that. I, you, sometimes you fall into things and you go, wow, I'm really good at whatever that might be. It doesn't have to be cars. It can be literally anything. Do your research. Do your homework. Can you make a living on it? Can you mm. slowly do it like they call a gig worker? Do a little bit of it. See if you can make some money. Do a little bit more. Educate yourself. I'm actually helping four or five people right now. Um, I have a consulting business, and sometimes I do it for free for friends, but I'm, I'm helping a really good friend right now who was going to nursing school, and I said, why would you do that? And she said, because I want to be a nutritionist. And I said, 
But do you need it? I mean, look at this V shred and all these guys out there, right? They don't have nutrition degree. They have nothing. They have good results, but you sure. don't necessarily have to have that. So doing your homework, being knowledgeable about whatever subject is that you love, that you're passionate about. Um, and nothing can stop you but yourself. I have that sign actually downstairs on my desk. Nothing can stop you but yourself. So if you doubt yourself, do your research. So either maybe you're right. Maybe it doesn't work for you. Maybe it was a great idea and concept. You know, like my daughter at one point was laughing. She, my One of my dogs had crooked teeth. She says, I'm going to create braces for dogs. And I'm thinking... That's never going to happen. But you know what? Hey, listen, they have dog ophthalmologists and dog physical therapists and dog chiropractors. Maybe today yeah. she could have made a million dollars off of it. So you never know until you start doing your research into these things and start doing deeper dives and talk to other people in your industry. Because the best thing to do is to blaze the trail. Maybe someone who's parallel in a different industry can give you some advice, but really do a lot of research. I'm really big on guerrilla marketing. That's always been my thing. Go where others aren't. If everyone's emailing and they're not getting results, send an old letter in the mail. You'll be shocked when someone reads mm. an actual handwritten letter. They're like, wow. I just got one the other day. I was really impressed. I read it right away at the mailbox. I was like, wow, someone wrote me an actual letter. So there are ways to get to people who you typically wouldn't. So mm. just make sure, just think outside the box and you'll be surprised what the results are. Oh, that's great. I appreciate your time, Lauren. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. Thanks for having me. See you guys next week.